Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Prisha, who is a young American woman who was rushed through transition at the tender age of 15, um, while also being diagnosed with anorexia, depression, borderline personality disorder, anxiety disorders, and multiple other issues. And yet, it was gender that the doctors decided they needed to treat. In this conversation, we talk about her life and her medical trajectory and uh, what it's like for her to detransition at this point. Wonderful young woman. She is trying to raise money to fix some of the issues that the medical industry did to her or instigated in her body. So if you want to support her, you can follow her on Twitter and find her GoFundMe down in the description. Without further ado, here's Prisha. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How art thou? Um, I'm doing okay. I'm a little anxious. Yeah. You have a very fuzzy blanket on, though. If that's a blanket or a shawl. Um, it's actually like a jacket. I just got it yesterday, and it's very comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Is it getting cold there yet? Oh, yeah. It's getting all the way down to like 32, 33 in the night. Oh, no. Yeah. Bye-bye, summer. Yeah. Hello, autumn. Are you, uh, do you have a favorite season, or do you just hate weather? Um, I, I do like autumn the best. Yeah. Especially, I, I moved from the south and uh, never really, like, saw the trees and stuff. Um, and now I'm, I'm really seeing them change, and it's just amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you live, like, in high desert area or just... Um, I, was, I was in Florida, so swampy. Oh, yeah. Did you wrestle alligators? <laughs> I almost had to. <laughs> oh, no. Um, they, they sometimes would be sunbathing on the highway. Uh, just laying there. Yeah. Cold-blooded animals. Yep. Wow. Huh. You don't have much of an accent from the bayou, if that's an accent. I might be being um, racist here against the South. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I, I moved around a lot. Um, I lived in Maryland, North Carolina, Florida, and Michigan. Oh, okay. All over the place. Oh, you and okay, yeah, okay. That explains all the the weather. That you yeah. Have to deal with. Yeah. Are you uh, are you studying right now? Are you in school? Yes, I am currently studying psychology with a minor in French. Okay, French literature yeah. or just French talkies? French language. Yeah. Pardon me. The heater kicks on at the opportune moments so where should we go what should we talk about um i guess um we can start with the facts and the numbers i feel like that would be an okay way to open up numbers um, yeah like ages and stuff that things went on yeah um I was uh, 14 turning 15 when I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and anorexia. And then 
Uh, yeah, I it was um, a very hard time. And then also at 15, I was diagnosed with gender dysphoria and given testosterone and Depo. And, and what? A, uh, Depo Provera. It's a birth control. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, for the gender dysphoria or for other things? Uh, for the gender dysphoria. Okay. Yeah. Um, they wanted to stop my periods faster. Um, this is something that actually really gets me and upsets me when I reflect back. Um, there was a brief period during 15 in which I was recovering from my eating disorder and gaining a little bit of weight. And before that, I had stopped my periods due to not eating. And when it came back, I felt like it meant that I was fat. Um, and I told my endocrinologist that, and that was one of the reasons for putting me on testosterone and saying I had gender dysphoria. <sighs> What? Okay, mm -hmm. hold on. Right, let, let's back up and, and and get back to that. So at 14 and 15, I'm sorry to ask this. When did puberty hit you? Uh, um, it started around 12 and a half, 13. Okay. And what was your mental state going going from child to, to puberty? Like, was there a change there? Uh, yeah, at 12 years old, like my life just kind of instantly fell apart. Um, one major thing that happened was my uncle died of cancer. Um, and that was very hard. And, um, I, I was, uh, the, the personality disorder was manifesting. Um, I, had no sense of self like i didn't know who i was like even before this um when i was like eight and ten and stuff i was trying out different names like different girl names and stuff just and like i've never felt connected to my name um like i started to not be able to recognize recognize myself in the mirror um just like all kinds of stuff um of the lack of identity and core and stuff was really manifesting okay and your mental environment or social environment were there, I guess you were connected to your uncle. Uh, did you find a sense of community or connection through other people? Um, no, I had, um, I don't want to go too much into detail and like throwing in one under the bus, but there was some addiction going on in my family um and it was causing lots of lies and separation and then i couldn't get along with any of my peers because i was going through so much adult stuff like it was hard for them to be like i went to the mall today i went whatever and i was like i found my mom passed out today like you know what yeah. i mean yeah. like no one really wanted to be my friend yeah okay um and just to fill out this kind of profile of this part of your life did you invest yourself into books or into media or into the internet or into gaming to, to get yourself into something or out of your life? Um, absolutely. The internet. Um, and that is where I learned about the gender dysphoria and all kinds of unhealthy things went on on there. I was also like in an anorexia community. Um, it pro? was on Tumblr. Yes. Pro anorexia. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like all of that with the thin spiration i just learned that 
Uh, yeah, and uh, Thinspo and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that I, I really think it's messed up because like we were posting body checks and stuff and we were all like teenage girls. You know what I mean? And like it it messes me up to think that about that now. Like I didn't grasp what I was doing. Okay, so just to be explicit here, you got involved in a community of 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds, girls who were posting pictures of their bodies together and kind of rallying around uh, this odd kind of mental um, vortex. What was it about it that attracted you to that or connected you to that? Um, the understanding um, I felt like I was having thoughts that were truly insane, which I was, um, but they validated them. They were like, yeah, me too, girl. You know, like, I feel that way too. You're doing such a good job. You know, like, I can tell you lost weight from this last picture or whatever. Um, that kind of thing. And what was your age then? That was 12, 13? Yes. Um, until like 15. Okay, so how did the medical industry get involved or therapy get involved? Did you do a cry for help or did somebody in your life recognize that you're uh, um, not a judge? So eventually, um, after the anorexia kind of cult, I started getting into like the gender ideology cult. Um, and they started explaining things to me like... So other people that I realize now were probably also children were making like lists of like reasons you might be trans. And it was like hating your body, hating your period and stuff like that, that I really think every teenage girl hates their body and their period. But they were like, these are symptoms of being trans and uh, you'll be suicidal. You'll hate yourself. You'll all of this and stuff. And um it's because you're in the wrong body and switching to the other gender is the cure. So I basically went to my parents at like my sickest moment and told them that I had the cure. Um, I told them I had found out that I was just in the wrong body. That's why all of this was happening. Cause that's what I was told. Um, I actually came out with a PowerPoint. Um, like I made a whole PowerPoint about this. Um, and uh, yeah, um, mm. and I, God, looking back on it, it's full of like ignorant information. Um, but yeah, that's what I did. And how did your parents respond to that? Um, my mother was extremely distraught and upset, but because of the choices she was making, I just threw everything she said in the trash being a teenager and not having trust my dad um both of his parents are doctors but like he doesn't have much psychology knowledge so he was kind of just like i guess if you're trans we'll start seeing the symptoms of you being trans so like make your appointments okay yeah okay so then i just uh went online and found a gender specialist and an endocrinologist myself oh okay and you selected them because you kind of knew or intuited or they advertised that they would give you what you wanted being transition. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you're 14, 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about this uh, borderline personality diagnosis and uh, how did you receive that? And how have you processed that categorization? What does that really mean to you 
And what did that mean from coming from a therapist and being put on you? Um, it was really difficult. Um, I mean, like one of the symptoms is being chronically suicidal. Um, and like having constant suicidal thoughts and like it's just my response to minor inconveniences like i've i've just been like that and um the no sense of self is a really big um part of it and um attachment is a really huge problem um this is very interesting actually people with bpd are more likely to be indoctrinated into cults um because they have uh, an attachment disorder and attachment wounds. Um, the disorder usually comes from childhood trauma. Um, like people with BPD, literally your frontal cortex is overactive and your amygdala is too small. Um, what does the amygdala do? The amygdala is the part of the brain that is kind of like lizard brain so it's like your primary response to things um fight and also, flight freeze yeah, et cetera, yeah 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 and so it it just doesn't respond right okay so i could see you're presented with stress and you have to analyze it and you're getting too little information on uh defending your boundaries and defending yourself mm -hmm. and knowing your you know your your situation as an animal as a beastly creature um with power and hunger and all that stuff but yes. So the front brain overcorrects for that, meaning yeah. it's just like wandering around, guessing it, things. It goes looking really for fast. Like my emotions change like in minutes. Really? Like I, I can, I'm a lot better, I will say, with DBT therapy. But like I can, I can just be like having euphoria and then sobbing on the floor and then really angry within like 30 minutes just because it, it goes so fast and you know i was presenting this as a child um this was a prior diagnosis to the testosterone and everything you know okay so did your endocrinologist and gender therapist take into account this underlying issue of personality disorder they also believed that or told me that I my other symptoms would just go away when I transitioned. Okay. Transition was the answer. Yeah. To your amygdala um, and borderline personality disorder and childhood attachment um, troubles. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I I guess. <laughs> and um, you were fifteen. When yes. you are transitioned by the medical industry. Uh, and how did you uh, ingest the testosterone patches, creams, injection? Um, injection. I started with it in like my butt, like the side of my butt where there's fat. And then when I started taking it home and no longer driving to the endocrinologist every two weeks, I did it myself in my thigh. Okay. Um, and uh, what was the effect for you on the various different levels? Oh, wow. Um, so I don't want to talk about this too much because it's private, but I think it's important. Within two weeks, I had changes to my genitals, um, uh, including a lot of pain. And I have been off of the testosterone for two years, and I'm still struggling with that. 
Um, the next thing to go was my voice. Um, I noticed it changing within three months. And then within a year, I could no longer sing. Like, I can't sing anymore. Um, I used to have a very, very high-pitched voice. Um, and I've been doing some, like, voice feminization um so it sounds a lot better but um i can't sing anymore i i can't scream uh which feels really bad like my voice just like doesn't come out at a certain like loudness anymore mm -hmm. um and i hope you like, were in a position in america where you don't have to scream that often <laughs> maybe a yeah. justin bieber concert or something but i don't know <laughs> You know, just like it's it's healing to like just go out and scream. Yeah. Does it um does it is there pain or tension? Because I know that um, the female uh, structure of the neck is not suited for the male uh, masculinization of the uh, vocal cords. So, is there pain or discomfort? Um, there's discomfort when I try to raise my voice, and there was a lot of pain while I was on the testosterone. Okay. And emotionally, how did the testosterone affect you? Um, it actually made my BPD rage so much worse. Hmm. Um, I, I don't have pride talking about it, but I will be honest. It just like, I would genuinely black out. Um, uh, I, I just like... I couldn't understand things and I, I like my body temperature was way hotter. Like I was hotter all the time, like always ready for a fight, like always ready to just go off. Like it was terrible and it oh, wasn't. No. Yeah. My dad was actually having me chop wood outside, like with an ax <laughs> and everything to get my anger out. <laughs> um, and what about other ways of processing emotion, like crying? Did, were you cut off from uh, that? Uh... Yes. Okay. Well, I was on the testosterone. Um, it was like there was just a block. Like, I just couldn't get there. I actually would spend time, like, trying to make myself cry because I felt like I had tears built up and I just, like, nothing could make me cry. Mm, okay. Did Were you put on a path toward further medicalization or were there, like, hormones will get you through? Um, no, on my first appointment with the gender specialist, she brought up top and bottom surgery. The first um, appointment? The first appointment. Okay. Yeah, after, like, she, when I walked into the room, she already had the computer open with the letter of recommendation that she was going to type. And uh, we started working that and putting my name in it. And then after all of that was done and she was going to print it and hand it to me, she was like, we can talk about future things. Um, you know, you're on the path for, you know, a double mastectomy and then bottom surgery and like talk to me about a couple of the different options. And like, I was 15, like I was not thinking about my genitals. Like I, I, I didn't know much about what the other option was. You know what I mean? Um, hmm. but yeah, it was, it was instantly on the table. And by bottom surgery, hysterectomy and phalloplasty? Did she go mm -hmm. into phallo? She went or, to... Or medioidplasty, medioplasty, however you say it. What's um, that? Is that just a closure or something? Yeah. And like they, um, remove some skin and tissue to like expose the clitoris. Yeah. Okay. Um, are you, everybody's got like a different path of, uh, uh, this is personal. I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that that's, uh, not, uh, 
overstepping, but everybody's got a path of being um, cognizant of their sexuality and what they want, what drives them, how they understand that stuff. At 15, were you able to conceptualize like what this part of your body that creates other human beings was for and how it worked even? Um, I, I really did not. Um, when they told me about some of the side effects I would have, I just like did not understand like, um, vaginal and uterine atrophy. I, I didn't know what any of those words meant. Um, and I, I had also, um, had a sexual assault happen when I was around 14. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I never want to have sex again. Like, make it smaller so nothing can ever happen again like that's fine um and obviously i didn't want kids at 15 so i was like okay um mm. and it was just like yeah i i didn't know what i was consenting to so there is um one argument online is that this isn't happening to kids this is not this is not happening to minors and they'll, they'll keep on switching the goalposts but i guess we'll get here if you went full bore how uh, how quickly do you think you would have attained all of that um, operations and surgeries and stuff like that? Did they lay it out? We can do this to you by 17. You'll be a man ready f for college or something like that. Um, I, I did not have like a laid out plan, um, but I did have my double mastectomy at 17. Okay. At 17. Yes. Okay. So... Let's back away and then go go the other vector, which is, was it fulfilling your desire to be trans or to be a man? And how did you create that identity of a male and change your clothing? And was it affirming? Did you feel affirmed going through all this? Um, so I will say there were some positive things. Like when I started passing, like, looking like a very like i looked like a much younger boy but um people would look me in the eyes more um they didn't look at my chest as much which i really really liked i stopped getting cat called and that was affirming um stuff like that so i i really thought that meant like i was on the right path and good things were happening and like i just wasn't as harassed yeah. um i was taken a little more seriously um yeah just like as a man and um but the main thing was i was receiving tons of praise online and from other young people for being trans like the people that i came out to like they were like you're so brave and like after being like not having a good childhood and not having a lot of friends um that was affirming mm -hmm. did you document this all um in these communities i see a lot of pictures being floated around was it this kind of the same thing as the pro anna community or the yes. anorexia everybody's like documenting their transition and praising each other yes okay exactly um okay so um 15 16 17 how's your grades doing uh how's how's your i guess you have a lot of friendships online uh, i guess you said that you have anger issues but do you feel that you were kind of you get, find a stable place? Yeah. So as far as um, school, I was actually taken out of school in ninth grade because I was so suicidal. Um, I just couldn't do it. Like, um, so I was homeschooled 
and uh, kind of just read all the books myself and then went in to take the SATs. So that was another reason I didn't have a lot of friends um, in real life. I just didn't go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you were pretty isolated except for the internet. Did you have any community? Did your parents like force you to go to youth group or do a sport? Yeah. Um, I never got along with any of them. They also just didn't understand what I was going through because um, hmm. it was such adult stuff. And yeah. like, I, I pushed them away, you know? Yeah. Okay. And what about creatively or, or productively? Did you find like a hobby, something that you could express yourself and build and you know, develop in some capacity outside of yourself? Uh, yes, I've been um, painting and doing art for years, um, and it's been therapeutic, like, no matter which end of this journey I'm on. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, and, like, painting just pictures or comics or something like that? Um, I, I paint on canvas, usually landscapes. I'm super into, like, gouache lately. Hmm. Um, it's really cool. Um, and I, I like painting like fairies. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Hmm. And so what's the lead up to the double mastectomy or uh, what they call top surgery? Um, I was expressing a lot of hatred towards my chest and um, my mom was kind of like checking out at this point and my dad still had like the prove it mentality so um i kind of just started working a lot more hours at my job uh, i worked at panera um and i found a doctor myself and i just scheduled the appointment and my parents drove me there um and i, I would also like to comment on the fact that um they let a 17 year old also take that debt it cost seven thousand one hundred dollars um and you know, they, they also let me take on that debt. Was there a consultation? Yes, there was one consultation. Um, and he just like looked at me without my shirt on and told me that I would not be able to get the keyhole surgery, which is less invasive. It's where they cut like around your nipples and like pull it out from there. Yeah. But um, mine were too big, so they would have to do, like, the whole thing. Um, and I have, like, two huge scars. Um, yeah. And, okay. uh, so the consultation was just a, a structural. There was no <laughs> further, like, why are you doing this? Do you know the harms, the potential outcomes if it goes wrong, if you can't heal correctly? Were you given, like, informed consent? Um. Or was it a service I model? Was told, I was told how to take care of it and stuff and to come back if anything went wrong. But I wasn't really told details of what that meant. Okay. What did it mean then in experience? Um, so I had a lot of pain. Like coming out of surgery, my chest was like black and purple. Um, I could not lift my arms up for months. Um, and... Uh, what they did to my nipples, um, I didn't actually know they were going to do, but um, they cut them off and cut off like the top bud to make it smaller and cut off like half of the areola and then put them back on to make them like more like male nipples. And like I woke up like that. I did not know that was going to happen. Okay. Um, yeah. Did you have 
an idea in your mind of what your chest would look like? Yeah, I thought I thought I was just going to look like a thin boy, like just a flat-chested boy. I was um so I was still very very sick with my anorexia and I was uh hoping to be able to see like my breastbones more. Like that was a big thing. Um mm. I specifically remember after my surgery bragging to my online friends about how I lost like eight pounds in a day. Like that's why I was happy. Okay. Okay. Um, did, were you in therapy during this entire time? Did you have like a weekly or monthly just place? Um, it was, it was biweekly. I had seen lots of therapists and been in and out of them. But there's actually a lot of stigma against BPD where therapists just refuse to treat patients with it. Mm. Because it's too difficult or it's really tricky. Yeah. One? Hmm. Um, uh, we're known as like treatment resistant. And because it's an attachment disorder, um, we often get like too attached to the therapist and then split on them if they do anything wrong. Mm. Like, because it's, it's like um, idealizing and then devaluing. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So even though you were getting help, you uh, were you provided consultation or conceptualization or a place to talk through what you're going through or were you kind of isolated? Um, yes. Um, other than therapy, which I was mostly going to for the family stuff, the gender specialist had a trans group going on where a lot of us, um, like we would meet together every week on a Wednesday and just talk about what we were going through. Mm -hmm. And they also had a separate group for the parents to talk together. Okay. And was the trans group mixed sex or sex segregated or gender segregated? Um, it started out mixed and then they decided to also offer gender segregated ones. Okay. Yes. Did you notice the difference between the males and the females or trans women and trans men and the issues that they're going through? Um, I mean, there was a, like, we very frequently talked about childhood trauma. Um, that is something I noticed that was a commonality between all of us. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that's the main thing I see as similar. Um, but uh, there was a lot of the same encouraging each other to like, you know, you look so great. It's amazing that you're changing. You look better like this. Um, and uh, a lot of, a lot of things like anyone who doesn't affirm you like hates you that was something i heard a lot online and at the group they were like they would rather have a dead child than a trans child or a dead niece or whoever like than a trans one and like i really believed that i was told that anyone who didn't affirm me wanted me dead and i wholeheartedly believed it okay the existence thing that gets bandied about like you don't want these people to exist you you thought that the outside world that wasn't accepting wanted to erase you in some yes. very existential way and you had already expressed in this interview that you already had a feeling of not being there or a, a lack of existence in, in some sort of core identity way so that feeds into that and then you have mm -hmm. a bunch of people affirming you uh, it just sounds like the perfect recipe for kind of a cult um, yes. form, right? Um, yes. 
And then did you witness online, uh, like people start to question and get thrown out or how did criticism happen? How did in, inside of the groups, was there wiggle room to question things, to criticize things, to have different Um, thoughts? Actually, um, I left the group because like full blown fights started happening because of that. Yeah. Like, um, uh, the last meeting I attended had screaming and yelling. So I was like, I'm gone. Um, Hmm. But um, a non-binary got introduced um, and uh, like people were mad about that and mad like about gender versus sex and like mad that um, being a trans woman or a trans man takes medical intervention and being non-binary doesn't necessarily. They were like, so you're not really trans if you're not doing anything medical. Um so like just all kinds of fights. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I to cut that out. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, so they were a part of what I've heard is called the true trans or trans med uh, kind of mindset, and then the kind of the squishy gender queerness, like you're just kind of playing with this identity thing, was kind of not real or yeah a threat or even just like derogatory. Yeah, like it as if it delegitimized it. Yeah. And what about you and social activism? Did you kind of just, uh, did you, you know, do things like uh, to promote the cause or did you just kind of like stay inside of the groups online? And um, I went to a pride parade and like wore a shirt um, for the member of the, like as a member of the group I was in. Um you know, I, I did a little bit of that, but like everyone in the group was doing it and, you know, I, I kind of just wanted to show up and make more friends. Okay. Yeah. So how long did it take you to heal from the mastectomy? Um, almost a year. Okay. And did it, um, did you heal? Okay. Cause I, I was just speaking with another, uh, D trans, uh, woman and she said that she, it started to, cause she wasn't lifting things and it hurt. She started to, her posture kind of went out of whack and she had to do a lot of therapy to heal in the correct way. But yeah, um, I have had a lot of back pain, um, because of like having to carry myself in a certain way. Um, and also, uh, I I almost lost my nipples. Um, like I I remember pulling away like the bandage from my chest and seeing like a bunch of stuff that wasn't supposed to be there, um, and that was very traumatizing. And uh, I I have lost like some of them. It's a it's a crude term, but it just it's very kind of Frankensteinian or the way that the doctors, what the doctors did to you and how they approached this, these surgeries. It's very like people are just Legos. We just detach a nipple and put it over here and just swap it around and it'll just kind of grow hopefully. And we can do a little correction down the road, but you suffer the consequences from their decisions, uh, how they treated you. And, uh, uh, did that eventually uh, kind of chill out your chest? Um, I mean, 
it's not getting worse. Um, I'm at like a stable point, but like it's not like normal, you know, not what I expected, not what I was sold. Yeah. And I'm going to freely plug that you are raising money for uh, reconstruction or some sort of uh, amelioration of that. Um, and yes. that can be found on your Twitter, which I'll link in the description. Um, what about facial hair, other masculinizations that are going on with the uh, hormones? Yes, I am uh, getting laser hair um, on my face and my chest and my stomach. Um, laser hair I, removal, not la- you don't your your hair's not turning into lasers. I just want to be clear. Oh yeah, I meant to say cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> if only that surgery existed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, sorry. But um, yeah, I'm doing uh, laser hair removal. Um, on, uh, like a a good portion of my body, I have like hairier genes. So like a lot of it, like, you know, my, my male genes got expressed, like the more, the male side of my family. Um, Mm. and my shoulders grew a lot bigger. Um, I, I, yeah, like they're wider, um, than they used to be like, they, they don't really align with my hips anymore, which causes me pain and balance. Like, I'm I'm more shaped like a triangle, you know what I mean? Like my hips aren't wide anymore, my shoulders are. Oh, wow, um, okay. And that was yeah. probably due to the fact that you were on the hormones so early in your mm-hmm. development. It affected your bone growth. Yes. Okay. Um and yeah, it, it does cause soreness and um just general clumsiness. Okay. And what's the path towards detransition or towards even just starting to question what is going on with you um i just like i i started getting help for my other diagnoses is how i realized that i wasn't trans um like i i realized i wasn't experiencing gender dysphoria like i just hated my body and i had a body dysmorphic disorder like you know anorexia like you look in the mirror and see something completely different um so like I, I didn't even realize what I was, what I looked like. You know what I mean. Um, so getting help for both of those things really just lowered my distress in general. And then I noticed that I was like distressed about my gender and like felt like I was living a lie and like noticing the problems with my health and like all of that. And um, I stayed in denial for a very long time. I actually secretly stopped testosterone without telling anyone. And what was your thought process for stopping the testosterone? Um, my hair is falling out. My voice continues to get deeper. Um, I'm constantly having every two weeks I have to inject myself with medicine and it's not fun. Um, like I, I was really starting to realize that I'd become a lifelong medical patient. Mm-hmm. And Sorry again, this is private, but did, did, did I guess you said that there was a changes in your genitals, but um, was there atrophy or were there complications there around that process being exposed to testosterone from the age of 15? Yes, um, I have a vaginal atrophy. So like, it's very, very difficult to have sex. Um, it doesn't like self-lubricate at all anymore 
And um, while I was on the testosterone, I was dealing with ovarian cysts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which are not a joy, right? Oh, my God. No, they hurt really bad. Um, and when they pop, you taste pepper in your mouth. Oh. Really? Yeah, it's very weird. You know, I was going to ask you, this is, uh, I'm not making this up, but I was going to ask you as our first question, if you really liked pepper, because I was, I was, uh, I was putting pepper on something or I was just thinking of the, the taste of pepper is just so good. Oh, I was eating this uh, pepper, uh, peppercorn uh, turkey uh, oh. for breakfast. And, uh, and then I remembered uh, one of my friends in, in uh, junior high, his mom was addicted to pepper. Like she had to have pepper on her cornflakes. She had to have pepper all the time. And for some reason, I was going to ask <laughs> your relationship to pepper. Um, and it just came up. It popped up in our uh, conversation. Yeah. And so when you stop testosterone, how do you, what do you notice about your life and your body and your emotions and stuff? Um, first thing was I became able to cry again. Hmm. Um, I feel like my thinking is more clear and I'm, I'm more able to like name my emotions. You know, I can connect with them better and understand them better. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't have the cysts anymore. Um, and my voice has stopped deepening and my hair is starting to grow back. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, so, but ideologically, um, changing your mindset, again, going back to your identity as this uh, person that you created, this male that you were creating in uh, conjunction with the medical industry, um, how do you start to rearrange that? You said that you were in denial, but eventually that broke. And how did that break or dissolve? Um, I, I kind of started thinking about how they like like the dead name stuff and how they had me like kill my old self hmm. um i i have been working on um like inner child therapy and stuff and like realizing that that little girl that was hurt still lives inside me um and so like through nurturing her i've realized that i i really am her and there was no need to kill her just because mm. i hated myself so much oh wow that's powerful. And you mentioned uh, DBT therapy. What's that? Uh, yes. Dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, it helps with black and white thinking um, and like emotional tolerance and uh, regulation and um, stuff like that. Uh, how um, Do you just like talk to somebody like we're doing right now or what? Yes. And there's also a workbook and like uh, there's little acronyms to remember to use during certain times um, and stuff like that. Uh, and those acronyms, it's like so it's helping you to be conscious and to regulate your emotions. Yes. OK. And um, uh, black and white thinking is a very big part of it. Like I I tend to think that everyone is either good or evil like my enemy or my soulmate um and like every situation is either like a lifetime opportunity or a scam and like everything is like one extreme or the other thinking and it really helps bring me to the gray okay and because i could see that going from 
getting out of the trans identity and the trans community. And I'd like to ask you how that went, but I could see like with that black and white thinking, you just want to run to another kind of uh, activity or uh, activism or something like that. So how did you break up with the trans community and kind of go out on your own? Or did you uh, find another uh, community that was good for you? Um, I'm slowly finding the D-trans community that has been very, very helpful to me. Um, I've recently started telling some of my trans friends and old friends, like, what I'm going through. And I'm mostly receiving, like, not support. Um, hmm. They're just telling me that I've, like, you've changed, you know. Um, you're you're listening to too many other people. Like, you know, you're, you're doing the wrong thing. Like, come back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but the D-trans community is very open-minded and very kind. Um, they're listening to me. And um, I, I feel like they they have a lot less of like a right way to do it. You know, when I joined the trans community, I thought that the whole thing was like about finding yourself and knowing yourself deeper and better. But it's like literally really just about being the other gender. Whereas with D-trans people, it's like really about yourself. What is, what is the self or what is yourself or how do you know, like, what, what, what does that constitute? Like knowing yourself? Um, I mean, I think it means knowing how you work, uh, how you Hmm. respond to other people and like outward stimuli and then what your mind does when you're not receiving stimuli. Hmm. Okay. So I guess just kind of growing up and being aware of what you are and and taking responsibility for that. So when, what age were you when you quit testosterone and decided to so-called detransition, which I guess is quitting testosterone, but. Um, I was 22. Okay. So 15, so seven years on T. Yes. Okay. Um, one wonders how that's affected permanently your brain because it is a very strong chemical, uh, speaking yeah. of somebody who is naturally producing it, um, mm-hmm. less and less as I age. Um, and when you quit testosterone, do you need supplements for your estrogen or to get that system back online or reboot the, uh, that side of things um, or does it come back online itself? So because I haven't had my hyster- a hysterectomy, um, I am producing estrogen again. Like I um, very recently started my periods again. So I am producing estrogen, but um, I would like to see an endocrinologist, but I just haven't been able to find one who's not uh, affirming. Oh, wait. So what, what, why, why can't, why would they not just be neutral? I, I don't know, like, when I was getting testosterone before, it was consider, considered gender-affirming care, and now it's not. It's, like, voluntary cosmetic. Oh, okay. okay well, um, let, let me just plug SAGEM, the Society for Evidence-Based Gender Medicine, and I know that they have resources. Well, I know that they're a community of doctors and professionals who are developing resources for the professional community, but I'm sure that they would be able to connect you or anybody else who's listening to maybe somebody who's more neutral and, and uh, just 
approaches the uh, detransition process from a non-affirming or non-ideological standpoint. Okay. Which seems quite necessary. It's just it's just so odd that you would be rushed onto this and then when you decide or when it doesn't work out, there's not an onboarding process or mm-hmm. a, a detransition process. Yeah, like usually I'm the first detrans person like people know. Hmm. Um there's just uh, there's like no resources. Um no one knows about us, no one hears about us. Like I really feel like our voices are silenced some um cuz yeah, there's just like no one knows how to support us. Mhm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been um, speaking with D-trans individuals for a few years now and uh, watching that community kind of just find its its uh, its bearings. And it's a bunch of 20-year-olds, basically, you know, um, supporting each other. They have very little mentorship. And, and um, I think that the need is being... Uh, made more uh, known, uh, broadly speaking, in that um, professionals are standing up and doing the right thing and beginning to be able to provide your community or cohort with the tools you need. Um, But that's still in its infancy. So do you find that you need to do some work on that? Do you find that that's kind of almost a call for you or a calling for you? And if so, what do you think you need to do or needs to happen? Um, I, I would like to share my story so that other people who go on hormones will understand what they're signing up for and get the surgery that there really are risks. Like I wish, I wish this was less like sold as a good thing. Like, uh, I'm trying to think of how I want to say this. Like, it's very, very celebrated, almost like worshipped. You know what I mean? And I, I I, feel like there needs to be less of that and treating it more like, I'm not sure. Um, I apologize. So, uh, no, it is explicitly, uh, tr- there is an explicit push at this point in time to name trans people as sacred and mm-hmm. as divine the uh royal shakespeare company has a play going on right now i uh joan of arc it's about joan of arc but she's trans um for some reason and uh the opening monologue is about how divine she is and how transcendent the trans mm-hmm. person is and that um is interesting because the body isn't divine, right? So you're changing the body, you're medicalizing the body and the body starts to rapidly decay. Like it, it rapidly shows its mortality. So in the fact of, uh, it's very, it's very Greek myth. It's like this total hubris and mixed up between like, like the manifestation of your will or your spirit and the complete denial or subjugation of the body, Mm-hmm. Uh, to that will and n- not not approaching it as a harmonious whole um, and kind of disrespecting the divine uh, aspects of the body um, mm-hmm. to, to mix things. Um, so you, you, you right now you're trying to figure out like 
how to how to dampen that and what you have to offer to the table is reality here here's your reality and um you said on twitter that you're writing that down so are you doing essays you think or are you going to do a autobiography um i'm typing it up on word for now um yeah. I'm not sure how I'm going to post or upload it, but I'm just trying to go from the beginning to the end Mm -hmm. and also write about my emotions, not just like Mm -hmm. the facts. Okay. So how are your emotions now, generally speaking? Uh, It's, it's very hard. Um, I'm, I'm grieving. I would say, um, you know, I, I, I have so much regret, um, so much loss, so much mourning. Um, I'm trying to focus on my future and my career. Um, I want to be a therapist because I want to help people and I, you know, want to get my voice out there to help people. So I'm, I'm just trying to think of other people I can help. And that's kind of like my guiding light, but it's, it's hard when I'm alone. Yeah. And yeah, I guess, it's kind of like this, um, you, you, your generation is really adapted to the internet. I wonder to what degree that can actually fulfill your social needs, but it seems to do kind of a somewhat of a job. I mean, I get a lot of my social, um, things out by this medium, um, by engaging with the internet in the way that I do. Um, but there is something IRL or in real life, um, that, needs to supplement or, or, uh, when, when I do engage with people in real life, it's a completely different thing. It's really important for me to do that. And I have to remember and remind myself to be present when I'm around people in real life, because that actually rewards me and it wakes me up in ways that go dormant when I'm just online or just in my head. Um, Yes. And your generation growing up on the internet and then somebody like you with your story being isolated for so long, um, do you uh, have to challenge yourself to be social? Do you have to, uh, um, or do you have a desire? It's like, I'm going to join a bowling league or something like that. I don't know if they bowl where you live or not, but. Um, I, I'm very, very worried about being social. I have like a mm. huge fear of rejection, but um, my grandparents are encouraging me to take like a class or two in person in the spring instead of just online. Mm-hmm. So I might like take, the step to do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is this your first interview yes okay because you said that you're nervous at the beginning so i'm wondering do you feel nervous now or is it how how it's been to interact with me in this way not just me but just doing this kind of uh discourse um i think it's good it these are difficult topics to talk about, but I like emotionally prepared and you've been very kind. So it, it's been good. Hmm. So do you do discord or are you available? Are you ready to be available for uh, kind of meeting up with D trans people or like what, what's some of the things that you're working on? I know you, you have a word document that you're filling up with uh, your story. What are you looking forward to doing? Um, what else? Um, 
Chloe, Cole, and Abel, and a few other people recently went to a protest together um, in front of a hospital that was doing gender-affirming surgeries. Um, and they were wearing signs that said things like, children can't consent to puberty blockers or hormones and stuff like that. Um, I would like to go to some of those events just mm -hmm. to be another number you know what i mean like this is another d trans person like it really is increasing as this prescription for being trans is also increasing um hmm. so yeah I, I want to do that i also have been contacted by reuters um and i think i'm going to do that what's uh reuters like the 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 news outlet then? yeah for uh interview or, or yeah uh, for an interview call? they they're talking to me about like flying over oh to where are they new york or yeah oh cool have you ever been yeah. to the big apple no no it's a busy place it's got a energy all its own actually i haven't been there since the pandemic so i don't know how it's going to be but i'll be there in october later on this month and oh wow we'll see how busy 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 it is stay safe Oh, well, yeah, you stay safe, too. Uh, is it Prisha or... Pr pr uh, Prisha, yes. Prisha. It's a lovely name. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and putting your story out there. Is there anything else that you would like to say to maybe somebody in your position or somebody about to detransition or somebody thinking through these issues and finding that something doesn't add up for them? Um... I Treat the mind and the brain before the body um, because, like, therapy is not going to hurt anyone. Um, and even if you are trans, you're going to have a better transition if you are mentally well doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Do you have a favorite author or poet um, or book or movie? I, this is like one of the core personality things that's hard for me to figure out. <laughs> uh, well, okay. How about painter? Or... Ooh, um, I really like Monet. Yeah, yeah. He's gorgeous. Have you been able to see some of his stuff in person? Um, No, but I have been to a couple museums like in D.C. with my grandparents um, mm. and, and seen some. Yeah, you should definitely make it to uh, uh, Paris at some point and oh. go to the Musée d'Orsay, I think. They have some excellent um, Monets there. That would be incredible. And with the French minor, you know, that'll, that'll oh, work. Oh, there you are. You're already on the path. You're already on the path. You could probably, like, figure out how to make that a part of your study, too. Mm. Go uh, uh, do some uh, art therapy out in France or something like that. Oh, gosh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Well, appreciate it. I'm going to wrap up the uh, interview portion of this discussion. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay. Thank you.